Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. So this past April, a group of young women college students were searching for a friend's house in rural uh, upstate New York. Um, They accidentally pulled into the the wrong driveway after they lost cell service. And um, shortly after realizing their mistake, they started to back out and turn around. But that's when they were met with gunfire from the homeowner. Um, A 20-year-old college student was killed. A week earlier in Kansas City, a 16-year-old boy approached a house in his own neighborhood to pick up his younger siblings, Um, but he was at the right house number and on the right street name, but not, you know, it was street instead of cul-de-sac or way or trail or you get the point. He rang the doorbell at the wrong house and he was... Uh, He was shot through the door. Just weeks ago, uh, a college junior was fatally shot by his neighbor in Columbia, South Carolina, because he mistook his neighbor's house for his own. Why bring all of this up? Because um, we ought to know our neighbors and we ought to be more neighborly. than ready to meet anybody that turns into our driveway or approaches our door with lethal um, lethal response. First of all, life is more precious than that. Every person is precious. Um, we ought not be taking life into our own hands so casually. We ought not be so afraid of one another. Um, and, and we ought to know our neighbors. Uh, so <clears throat> I bring this up because there's actually uh, an, an if study out there right now um, on the decline of trust and neighborliness in the United States of America. Trust and neighborliness um, are not just on the decline, but at nearly historic lows. So It's good for you. It's good for you to, uh, I mean, literally good for you. Like your life is literally better by every measure if you engage in what are called pro-social activities with your literal neighbors. And so just, you know, just ask yourself, how much time am I spending with my actual neighbors? So in 1974, so, you know, we're going back a number of years here. The share of Americans who spent at least a social evening with a neighbor, at least several times a month. So let's think about, you know, 
once a week we're getting together with our neighbors um, and we're doing such and such or sharing so-and-so or participating together in whatnot. All right. So the share of Americans who spend a social evening with a neighbor at least several times a month. So in 1974, that was 44% of us. 44% of us spent a social evening with an actual neighbor at least several times a month. In 2022, that's 28%. So basically one in four of us is now spending an actual social evening with a neighbor at least several times a month. Now, um, ours has increased dramatically um, in in recent uh, weeks because uh, some of our neighbors are now also our kids. So, you know, that has influenced this social evening with a neighbor business in our family. But it's also been influenced by the fact that with our Murphys, with our neighbors, the Murphys, who live the other direction down the street, um, we're now raising a cow with and for them. And so they come to feed Jeffrey uh, their cow. And so we have a lot more social interaction with the Murphys than we have had up until, um, you know, this uh, co-cow raising business that we're doing now. Um, But I'll just confess that uh, it's, it's not unusual to go a month without spending a social evening with a neighbor. It's just not unusual. Um, And it's not that we don't love our neighbors and aren't concerned for them, but uh, all of our lives go in so many different directions every single day and, frankly, every single evening. We don't all go to the same church. Um, Our kids don't all go to the same schools. We're not all at the same stage of life. On and on and on and on and on, right? So just ask yourself, how often in a given month do I spend a social evening with a neighbor, with an actual neighbor? So over the past 50 years, this IF study is indicating, we have become half as likely to spend any social time with our actual neighbors. And in that same 50 years, we've become half as likely to trust our fellow Americans. There is a relationship between spending time with one another and the cultivation of trust. And there's a difference between trusting an individual and trusting people in general. So the general level of trust has declined dramatically over the last 50 years. And yet people do tend to have a very high level of trust in their close personal contacts, which means we need to be developing more close personal contacts in order that we also might drive up the general sense that people are trustworthy. Do you see the connection there? And so um, we have allowed bridges of connection to uh, deteriorate and decay. And we need like a we need like a social infrastructure rebuilding plan. We need to invest in the rebuilding of the social in- infrastructure uh, among neighbors because neighbors are more likely to be considered friends if we actually know them. So let me just encourage you today um, to be like Mr. Rogers and go out there and turn your neighborhood into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Like meet your mail carrier. Meet um, meet the people who come up and down your road for various and sundry things all the time. Um, don't just set a camera out there and, like, you know, be the lurker who wants to keep track of everybody and everything. Actually get out there and meet people. 
Um, it's not just like neighborhood watch. It's not like weirdos sitting in their windows watching through barely opened curtains. No, like get out there, people. Let's get to know our neighbors and let's begin to transform our culture. Who is my neighbor? Um, Jesus was asked. It's the one who shows mercy to whoever's in need, wherever they've come from and wherever they're headed. So let's be mindful of that. All right. uh, Our friend Adam Holt is going to join us from Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to talk about the dangerous unreality of reality TV. There's so much awful, 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 back to our conversation with Dan DeWitt, reality TV um, on the air right now. And so what's the dangerous unreality of it? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Hey, Adam. How are you doing, Carmen? Man, I'm good. I'm good. Good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, How about you? I'm good. It's been a... Been a good week, and fall is here in earnest, and it's crisp in the mornings, and I like it. I like the change of of seasons. So I know. all good. I'm, I'm, uh, I am, I'm still waiting the uh, the change of the like actual change of seasons. I mean, I know it's technically upon us, but I right. I would like for it to be like yeah, for it to descend <clears throat> like frost. Um, okay, yeah. uh, so uh, reality TV. Um, there's some really awful stuff out there on reality TV. Um, and leading the list right now is a, a show from the UK that is now the number one, the number one streaming show in America. And it's about as awful as it's jaw droppingly awful. And I, I like, there's a part of me that like, doesn't even want to tell people what it is, but you know, and I feel obligated to. So it's called Naked right. Attraction. Like, what what's yeah. going on in the culture when we want to watch this level of, like, insane vulgarity? Oh, there's a lot going on in the culture. And the premise of the show is that you have pairs of people who, uh, well, a man looking at, I think, six women or a woman looking at six men, and they they essentially lift the proverbial curtain and they're naked. So the starting point for their connection is judging each other's bodies and physical attractiveness. Um, And then they both end up naked having a conversation after, you know, a choice is made. Um, And there's so much to unpack here. I think vulgarity is the right word. I think at the most basic level, it speaks to two things. It speaks to how we have elevated sexuality in our culture. And I think that, as you and I have talked about in the past, stems in large part because we've thrown transcendence out the window. So there is a desperate search for meaning, for significance, for intimacy happening. And when you take God out of the picture, people get really confused. So before I like drop the moral nuclear bomb on this show, (laughs) let me say, I, I, I think that this is... Exhibit A in our moral desperation and our existential desperation. I think people are desperate for meaning and they are so desperate to know and be known that they would, you know, some of them would choose to participate in a show like this. Um, And, you know, I think at the next more vulgar level, uh, there's something um, 
tantalizing in a transgressive way about, you know, combining nakedness and voyeurism, right? I mean, mm. this is this is a show that invites people to peek into their neighbor's windows, right? Mm. Only everybody know everybody knows what's going on. Like, and I think again, God has designed sexuality as a very, very good thing. We see that in Genesis. We see it in the Song of Solomon, which has what I might call a holy erotic feel to it, right? Uh, and we don't usually use those two words together, but I'm going to do that. But when you take the goodness uh, of that and you put it on display, uh, it, it transforms it. And so, what you know, what's the the Old Testament uh, King James translation for having sex? It's to know. And but this is knowing with no relationship, and so uh, both for those participating and those of us watching, like everybody is prostituted and is party to a kind of prostitution in a show like this. Um, and so there's just there's a lot going on, uh, and just at the most basic level, if you happen to stumble on this on, I believe it's on the HBO's Max streaming service. And in a weak moment, your curiosity gets the best of you. I mean, that's the other thing is I think that shows like this can be an unintentional gateway to a deeper construction of porn or consumption of pornography because mm -hmm. this is pornography. Mm -hmm. Let's let's mm -hmm. call it what it is, right? So so much to say. Those are a few thoughts. Yeah. Um I I have read um you know, some views on this, the voyeurism conversation comes up a lot. Uh, the the concept of, you know, like a new guilty pleasure. There is also yeah. um, this take out there that, hey, this just returns us to Eden where people were naked and unashamed. Like who who are these right. Christians that have these puritanical ideas um, about uh, about the body? And, you know, they're, uh, Adam and Eve were right. They were right, right. to to regret the reality of sin, like the opening of our eyes to, um, to our own nakedness, um, yes. is a part of the theological conversation that we need to be having, um, with one another as Christians. And this is not about being naked and unashamed. This is about, um, judging people completely by the flesh and having conversations yes. about other people and the parts of the body that are, um, you know, that are not meant to be that which leads um, in, you know, in, in our concern or in our conversations, but which a, uh, uh, I don't even know, pornographied, it maybe is a word, yeah. our pornographied culture um, is now pressing to the forefront everywhere um, that yeah. which, you know, is, is meant to be covered up, frankly. Yeah. And, and we're yeah. so, I think we have to talk about desensitization here, Carmen. Mm. Like, I think that it wasn't that long ago, really, that some part of us would have known that this was a bad thing. Mm. Right. And, and even, you can even go back. This is an interesting conversation, maybe for another time. But I think about a song like, Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf in 1976, or even as late as 1988, Bon Jovi had a song called Living in Sin about cohabitating. Even as late as the late 80s, we still had a cultural connection with the idea 
that, that sexuality was intended for a specific context. That's gone. The, mm. the entire talk, of, I mean, culture doesn't talk about sexuality in connection to sin at all. It's been obliterated. And so our perspective on sexuality as Christians, as it being designed for a certain context, is ever more countercultural but ever more important for us to cling to for exactly that reason. Yeah, and we have to we have to know how to talk about God's good design um, yes. and the good gift of sex and the right place of it. We have to be able to talk about those things positively. Um, otherwise, you know, the 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 boundaries or the barriers that we seek to um, erect and uphold for for our kids and our grandkids and and others, then they don't make any sense. So we got to be don't. able to talk. And- yeah, the good, the beautiful, and the true. Yeah. And the other thing that happens here, I know we got to go to a break, but can I, if I can say one more thing, um, is we enshrine youth as the most important thing. Because mm. anybody who's gotten married and has lived for a couple decades and has had some children and has had some life, uh, guess what? You know, in, in most cases, your body doesn't, look or necessarily work the same way at 50 or 60 or 70 as it did when you were 20. Right. And, uh, you know, that there's the whole youth focus here that I think is another angle to this conversation that is so important. Um, anyway, so much to talk about, uh, but we'll keep moving here. So good. All right. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, entertainment's future, the future of entertainment in the face of AI, That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, this is Carmen from the Mornings with Carmen show. Who's your pastor? This is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I want you to think about who is your pastor or who are your pastors? Who shepherds your heart? Who gives you wise and faithful counsel? Who comes alongside to encourage you as you walk difficult stretches of the road? Who opens the word of God to you in ways that actually help you live into the character and ways of God? Who are your pastors? Do they know it? It's possible you have lots of answers to this question, that maybe there is somebody who's preaching or teaching you listen to regularly. They shape your scripture engagement, but they don't know it. I'm encouraging you to tell them. Whoever it is that comes to mind when I say, who is your pastor? I want you to reach out to them this month. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. So encourage those who pastor you. Oh, and if you are a pastor, thank you. Bless you. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. All right, super fast. We're going to do movie reviews really quick with Adam Holtz, and then we're going to talk about the uh, future of of entertainment in the face of artificial intelligence and AI. All right, so super fast. um, You just have a no no list, and there's two things on it. What's on? What are the two things on the no no list this week? You know, I am not 100% sure what you're talking uh, about. So give I'm me a the hint. Equalizer, the Equalizer 3 <laughs> okay. and Exorcist okay. Believer. We don't need to yes. talk about them other than no, to say don't. you it. don't need yep. to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Equalizer 3, don't need to see it. Exorcist, don't need to see it. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Next. You should read You should read Paul Acey's, um review of, of Exorcist Believer because I do think that there's a lot in there to know. But just read the review at PluggedIn.com. Do not see the movie. 
Um, maybe go see on the 10th um, of the month, go see What Rhymes with Reason. It's a Fathom event, and it yep. is um, going to be on World Mental Health Day. Um, and so consider that. You can check that out um, as well. All right. So now to this topic of um, entertainment and the future of entertainment in the face of artificial intelligence. Read us in on some of what's going on here. Well, artificial intelligence, of course, is in the news all over the place. But the technology, when combined with mimicking images and uh, mimicking voices, has gotten very sophisticated. I mean, to the extent that Tom Hanks has come out and said, hey, I'm in this commercial, but it's not me. It's a digital <laughs> representation. It's crazy, right? It it's me, crazy. but it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's me, but it's not me. So, of course, you have some in the movie industry are salivating at the idea of taking images of, say, Humphrey Bogart or Marilyn Monroe or, you know, pick your, your movie star from days of old and recreating them. But a big part of what's been happening in the Screen Actors Guild strike currently, it's easy to look at that and say, man, what a bunch of entitled brats. I mean, it's hard for me actually to have a ton of sympathy. Uh, and the same with the writer's strike that was just recently resolved. But a big part of it is them asking, how are we going to be protected from AI being used without our consent with our likeness, which I think is actually a pretty profound question. And Robin Williams' daughter, Zelda, came out this week talking about how images and, uh, you know, recreations of her father, Robin Williams, um, his voice are so offensive to her. She said, I'm not an impartial, impartial voice in the SAG fight Screen Actors Guild against AI. I've witnessed for years how many people want to train these models to, and by models, they mean these artificial intelligence programs to create and recreate actors who cannot consent like dad. This isn't theoretical. It's very real. I've already heard AI used to get his voice to say whatever people want. And I find it personally disturbing and the ramifications go far beyond my own feelings. These recreations are at the very best, a poor facsimile of greater people at their worst, a horrendous Frankensteinian monster cobbled together from the worst bits of everything the industry is instead of what it should stand for. Man, I, I first want to say she's incredibly articulate here in pointing out the moral and ethical issues. Uh, but I think from a Christian point of view, we're talking about the inherent dignity of a created person versus a facsimile of that. And I think that's a conversation that is just getting started. I think we're going to be having it a lot in the coming years and decades. Yeah, I think sorting out um, that which <coughs> is like real, real from that which is right. Um, not actually real, uh, but poses as real. It's, yeah, it's going to become more and more difficult. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I just, we're just going to have to be people who take our time to discern the truth and in particular don't pass along to others that which we don't actually know the source of. Like we're, our, our need to learn how to confirm what is true and separate it from that which is false is um, is only becoming more and more important. Um, yeah, and I would say yeah. more and more difficult. Like it's so mm -hmm. easy, as you said, to 
to not exercise discernment. And even circling back to our reality TV conversation, we only talked about one show there, but that entire genre is predicated on the premise that you're seeing something real. But we all know that those who are producing those shows are creating drama, they're creating villains, they're creating sometimes conflicts that aren't even real for the sake of keeping you hooked. And so the premise is a lie lots of times. What you're seeing actually isn't any more real than a scripted show, but it pretends to be. <laughs> uh, we do laugh at my house that, um, yes, the, the, the whole LaBerge um, clan uh, would make for interesting reality television. But of course, nobody <laughs> really, nobody really wants anybody else to know all that's going on, right? It's just, no, you know, right? Yeah. So um, I think we, I think we like to be voyeurs, like at some level, yes. and reality yep. TV gives us, uh, like we imagine that's what that is, but it, it but it's not, as you say, it's it's, not, it's, it's scripted, not. it's scripted television. It's just a different version <coughs> and variety of it. Yeah. Um, all right, Adam, um, thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Enjoy the beautiful fall day where you live. Um, as you are uh, turning to the concerns of this day, I hope that you are spending some time in the Word of God. Um, and, and let me just remind you that that's where we want to be spending our time, that, that we want to be knowing God, and we want to be knowing the character and the ways of God. And then we want to be responding as God reveals himself. We want to be responding in obedience. And I was reminded um, by a friend yesterday that delayed obedience, when God reveals something and we know, we know it's the right thing to do, or we know what is right to do in a certain circumstance. Therefore, we know what's wrong to do, right? So once we know that, when God has revealed that to us, Delayed obedience is disobedience. Let that settle for just a second. Delayed obedience, when God has revealed something that is true, something that he demands of us, something that his spirit wants to bring into greater conformity in our lives to his will, delayed obedience to that is disobedience. So what's just one thing? What's just one thing that you know God has revealed to you? that you have not responded to um, in obedience. I, I, I have a list. Um, is there something on your list? And if so, like, let's not procrastinate any longer. Let's you and I be obedient today to the one thing that we are acutely aware God has revealed to us um, that we have not yet responded to in obedience. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. Kim Dolan-Leto is going to join us next. You know her from Fit God's Way. Um, we're going to talk about um, why, why your fitness plan, or let's just personalize this, why my fitness plan isn't working and how to fix it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our friend Kim Dolan Leto is back. You can find her at Kim Dolan Leto, L E T O dot com. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. How are you today? 
Well, I'm uh, I am well. Uh, I suppose, like everybody else, you know, I have a long list uh, to check off today. And that means that um, the things that I know I should do for myself might be, um, you know, set aside, put off till later. Um, Can we talk about why my fitness plan isn't working and how to fix it? Absolutely. Yes. I think that's a great topic to tackle this morning. All right. So um, you you are so encouraging on this front. Um, maybe start. Let's start with this. Like the the world the world presents a fitness plan to us, and mm-hmm. and it has an a, there's an approach out there, right? But as a Christian, that's that is not that doesn't work. Why does the worldly fitness plan not work for us uh, as Christians? Well, this was a massive aha moment for me because I would try every diet. I would, you know, gain weight and lose weight and then gain it back. And it was always just like frustrating. Like it just literally made me feel like a failure. And one day I was just praying and God clearly showed me that worldly, like I was doing it in the world. I was doing it without him and worldly means without God. So like John fifteen five tells us that he is the vine and we're the branches and whoever abides in him, that he bears much fruit for apart from him, we can do nothing. So that mm. was a huge aha moment that I was like, wait, I'm going to church on Sunday and then I'm trying to do this fitness thing without God all week. Like if we're, Carmen, if we're struggling in our parenting, our marriage or finances or whatever, we go to our small groups, right? But we're not going to God in this area. And that is why it has become such a place of confusion and we're not finding peace or results. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Christians, this is what, I mean, obesity is obviously a a huge issue in our culture writ large, like 74% of American adults are actually overweight Mm -hmm. or obese, but the, the incidence of, of being overweight or obese is actually higher Uh, in the body of Christ than in the general population. So clearly we have not just a body image problem and a weight problem. We have a glory problem. Like we're, we're measuring something by, by a worldly measure that we're supposed to be measuring um, by, by God's glory. Right. And that's why it doesn't work. And it often becomes an idol. I hear people say all the time, like Mm. fitness is my church and we're worshiping numbers instead of thinking about fitness is like for Christians, fitness isn't about the way we look. It's about a lifestyle of stewardship. And we're just managers of the temple that God has given us here. Our bodies are, you know, his, they were bought with a price. So we're supposed to glorify God in our bodies. And this whole worldly dieting thing, I, I hope somebody gets free today hearing this. It just creates the most unhealthy relationship with food and your body. It's like, you know, you feel like you, you're living in your head. You're like, it's this constant failure, performance, perfection soundtrack. Like, if I'm not perfect, I'm failing. And, like, the promises of being able to undo 20 years of eating, you know, poorly. Like, people think they can get this get fit quick thing. And it's, they don't realize that it's like, how long did it take you? How long have you been living like this? You know, and God wants to rebuild us from the inside out. He, 
you know, his, he, we start with him. He is the starting point and it's renewing our minds and getting, it's not what we eat. It's not what we work out. That's the first step. It's think it's our thinking and getting our mindset on God and looking at our bodies as, okay, I need to steward my body and my health for him so that I can serve well, so that I can, you know, meet my grandkids one day so that I can be as healthy as I can be on this earth. Because how do we feel, Carmen, when we don't eat right, when we don't move our bodies, when we don't sleep right, when we don't get in the Word of God? Like, He is our foundation, and without Him, there's no fruit. It's just a frustrating flesh project. That's so good. Um, some of this is as simple as, um, I could use some letters here, C's, S's, P's, which list do you want to do? <laughs> like, right? Some of this is getting some mental hooks that we can hang things on. Maybe we should start with the seven P's, right? Because I think this is the, um, the, the, the how to do it, and I think it's the way of Jesus. And so maybe we should start with the seven P's, and we can circle back around to the C's and the S's in a minute. Well, the beautiful thing about our Jesus is that he said he would give us a helper. We have the Holy Spirit working in us, mm. and we often forget that when we just start our days with God and do walk out this health and whole, it's really your lifestyle. Health is and wholeness is a lifestyle. So when you walk it out in the power of God and that indwelling Holy Spirit, you have the ability to have peace, have self-control, have joy, have faithfulness. And I love this quote that I wrote from Galatians five twenty two through 23, which talks about the fruits of the Spirit. It says, no diet can give you the spirit of self-control. Only, can do, only God can do that. So maybe it isn't self-control you need. Maybe it's peace. But no diet can give you the spirit of peace or faithfulness or any of those things. Only God can do that. And so I created these seven Ps because... I was praying one day at church and I was like, Lord, I need an answer for my fitness, you know, for my eating. And we were studying Revelation. And I think I've shared this before. God opened, I opened my Bible and God showed me his word in his word in Revelation 320. If you're struggling with food, please write that scripture down. Please go look at it because it says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And from that, I was just like, Lord, you want to do this with me? I had no idea that I could come to my father and ask him, like, yes, he wants to sit and eat with you. So the seven Ps are very simple. They're on this website at com, and you can find the—it's the blog I have up right now. It's the first one, but it's to pause. Pause, ask yourself, am I even hungry? Like, am I—should I be going—like, how often, Carmen, let's be real, do we eat to numb our emotions? Like, mm-hmm. should I be taking these emotions to God? Yes, you know, but if you are hungry, just pause and invite that power of the Holy Spirit to help you have peace with your decisions, to make good decisions, and to ha- walk in self-control. And then pray, ask Jesus to join you, you know, and per- learning to prepare, it can be as simple. This does not mean that you have to, like, batch cook all your meals for the week. It's as simple as having a healthy snack on hand. Like, if every day you're hungry at 4 o'clock, what if you just brought a healthy snack so that you could preemptively eat something healthy instead of like, you know, how often do we like go to a coffee shop and you get, you say you're going to just get a drink and then you end up getting something that you know isn't healthy. And then you have like that sugar crash, right? 
So preparing is really important and learning how to portion. Our portions are so distorted, and this is not a performance pro- project or perfection project. Like, this isn't your good if you, if you eat this much and bad if you don't. It's just real. I think we really need to just for a week or two look at our food and really understand what we're eating and then start to practice, like practice doing like, this is a big one. We need to practice getting back on track, don't we? How often do we mm-hmm. just, like, eat one meal and then we're like, oh, well, I might as well just throw the whole day away. And then that day turns into a week and that week turns into a month and that month turns into a year. The devil knows. You know, I always share that if he can steal your health, he can steal your future. So we need to practice getting back on track. Like, there's nothing wrong with going on a date with your husband or eating, you know, baking cookies with your kids or It's called living. You're supposed to enjoy food, but the world has taught you like an unhealthy relationship with food. So then you're, you feel guilty when you do that. And then you just end up throwing the weekend away or whatever, right? Like we need to stop that cycle and just realize this is a grace filled lifestyle. This is not a, the world wants me to feel like I have to be perfect. God wants me to live under grace. And then the the last two are to plan and to persist. And planning is, is like, you know, just understanding what you what restaurants in your area could you choose that are healthier? Uh, find out healthier, um, you know, ingredients for the foods that you like to cook. Just change little ingredients, and that is going to change everything. And then persist. Don't give up. We always want to, you know, we don't see numbers on the scale, but God is rebuilding you from the inside out. The last thing you're going to see is that manifestation of, like, the weight loss. That's the last thing we see. Pause. Prepare. Yep, I'm going through my list. Pause, (laughs) pray, prepare, portion, practice, plan, persist. Uh Um, I think that the the, the pause one, one of the resources that you give us um, on the pause one are like Bible verses that we can literally like tape to our fridge or tape to the, I don't know, put them wherever you need them, like wherever you know temptation lurks. Um, and pause and read that verse of scripture, um, and then maybe spend twenty seconds just breathing, like right, and then and then ask yourself, like, am I really hungry now? Not was I really hungry when I arrived at the fridge door, because right then I might have felt hungry. Um, I might not have been hungering and thirsting for righteousness, but I was. I felt it, somewhere, maybe not in my body, but I felt hungry. That's why I was standing at the fridge door. But then I'm going to pause. I'm going to read. The verse or the verses of scripture that you can download um, from Kim's website, kimdolanletto.com. Um, you can download verses there that are really, really helpful on this front. You can tape them to your fridge door. You read them and then just take 20 seconds and breathe and pray and then ask yourself, okay, am I hungry now? <laughs> Am I hungry now? Like, it's part of it is just like breaking, like breaking into the moment, breaking into my brain in the moment. Like that is that is a huge part of this battle. It really is. And I'm going to tell you right now, like, I don't keep any food on my kitchen countertops other than maybe fruit, because we walk into our kitchen. I have a sign in my kitchen, though, like, you know, the Hobby Lobby has all those like great scriptures. (laughs) Yeah. We need, like, it says my body is his temple. Like, we Mm. need to remember that we don't need, this is what's so hard, is food is so emotional. And people don't realize that we're, like, just 
stressed, we're stressed out. So we're just grabbing something to eat, right? We're, we run into the break room. We're like, oh, candy dish, oh, pastries, oh. Like, it's just stress. And we're feeding our stress instead of just saying, God, you told me in Philippians 4, 6 to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication to make my request known to you. And you would give me peace that would rule my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Like, we're not, we're supposed to give God our anxiety. We're supposed to cast our cares on Him. But we're trying to carry this weight, this load of life. This world is stressful, and we're trying to carry it all, but we're not meant to. We need to surrender it to our Father. And if you just seek His face in those moments, and I'm not saying that there are moments, obviously, that we're hungry, but we're talking about the mindless eating, the Mm -hmm, numbing mm -hmm. ourselves, the sitting and watching TV and eating a bag of chips. Like Those moments, if we just took those to God and said, Lord, be with me, comfort me in this time, because I don't want to be unhealthy. I want to be a better role model for my kids. I don't want to have to go on diabetes medication. I don't want to have to go on blood pressure medication. Like, help me go outside and take a walk instead. Help me just, you know, push my couch aside and YouTube a a workout video. Like, we need to catch ourselves in these moments so that we can, and it's not about, like I said, it's not about just looking a certain way like that pressure is overwhelming to match up to whatever the world thinks is fit this is what hurts me so much i want women well people to know that the word fit carmen means well it doesn't mean body parts we're the body of christ we need to be well in our mind and our body and our soul that's what god wants for us Mm. i think that um you you help me uh, with some of the uh, of the scriptures that you offer, you help me to stand there and and lay claim to some truth. Like my body is His temple, I mm-hmm. am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, yes. I I am the work of His hands. I will honor God with my body. Um, mm-hmm. I will offer my body as a living sacrifice. Um, whatever I eat or drink or do, I'm going to do it all for the glory of God. I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I just There's just so many ways to take the passages of Scripture that you offer us and turn them into things that we can lay claim to in the moment. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Kim Dolan Leto in just a moment. What are you struggling with in terms of this particular Battle of the Flesh, if you want to text me, 877-933-2484. Love to hear you weigh in on this conversation. More next here on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together. And have you ever read the book of Matthew? You know, at the very beginning when it has the whole genealogy of Jesus and read or tried to read through those difficult names and thought, who are these people? What what are their stories? You know, why are they listed here? In our next reading plan, we're going to be looking at five of the women in Jesus's genealogy. It's called Unexpected, Five Women in the Lineage of Jesus. We're going to take a look at Tamar. Who was she? You know, what what is her story? We're going to look at Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba and Mary, Jesus's mother. All the women who you're going to hear on the podcast have contributed to the study guide. You can get your hands on that study guide at myfaithradio.com and sign up. I sure hope that you'll do this study with us so that the next time you go and read Jesus's genealogy, you'll recognize some of those names and know some of those stories. You can get that study guide at myfaithradio.com, and you can listen to Reading the Bible Together podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. 
All right, uh, Kim Dolan Leto is here with us. Fit God's Way is the book. You can visit her online for tons of really great downloadable resources. Kim Dolan Leto dot com. Um, Kim, maybe let's um, let's summarize the conversation today and um, and walk off with um, how to work out God's way. Okay, I was going to do something else, but let's do. Oh, it. what are you going to do? What do you want to do? Go ahead. What do you want to do? I was listening to all these conversations about faith, and I think really what we need to do is we need to activate our faith. I think we Mm -hmm. don't realize that we have power and authority in this space. And yes, you know, if you want to invite God into your workouts, pray, dedicate them to Him. Listen to Christian music. Put this radio show on while you're going for a walk around your block. Like, we are, Romans 12, 1 tells us we're supposed to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's our true and proper worship. So worshiping God while we work out is so, it's, it will give you a whole different kind of strength. But real quickly, I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, activate your faith, okay? And the way that you do that is by seeking God first in this, surrendering it to Him daily, and showing up in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. So seek God first, surrender it to Him daily and show up in the power of the Holy Spirit, because we all know that our weak willpower doesn't last. Anyone who's been on a diet or a fitness plan knows that willpower doesn't last. We need Jesus here. And one of the most important scriptures, I think, is Matthew 6.33, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added. We have missed it here because we need to seek Him first, not the body, not the workout plan, not the food. We need to take God to this place in our lives first and after, and seek Him in it and surrender it and show up in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is your 3S faith success equation. That will help you activate your faith. I love that. Seek God first. Matthew 6.33 is the mm-hmm. reference Kim offered there. Surrender it daily to God. That's the be anxious uh, about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, Philippians 4, 6. So surrender it daily to God. I might even say surrender it moment by moment to God. Meal by um, meal. Yeah. yeah. With surrender, Sh- especially when you want to quit. It's like, no, God is rebuilding yeah. you. It's like the scripture, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Let God rebuild you from the inside out. It's going to be every cell, friend. It's going to be... Mm. Everything, it's the fresh oxygenated blood, all of the toxins being carried out of your system. Like the last thing, think of the home shows, the last thing you're going to see, mm. think of your body as a home renovation show. God is renovating any, everything from the inside out. The last thing you're going to see are the new wood floors and the granite countertop. Like that's the exterior. So don't get, don't grow weary in well-doing. Stay the course. I love how Zachariah says, like, when show up in the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's everything has to be done through him, everything in life, including our fitness. Yeah, my body is the holy habitation. I'm going to start thinking about it as a home renovation show. That is so, uh, that's so good. I love that. I love that. that. Thank you for giving me these mental pictures because people think nothing's changing, and it's because you're being completely rebuilt from the inside (laughs) out. That's right. I love it. At the cellular level, I just, I've, you got my mind, you got my brain working. So that is so good. I'm um, helping me think about this differently. Actually, you know, this is a, this is a brain activity as much as it is anything else. What we, what we think about, what we dwell on, um, you know, our thoughts are certainly 
um, uh, building the infrastructure of our words and deeds. Kim, as always, thank you so much. That's Kim Dolan Leto. You can visit with her, get all of these resources at Kim Dolan Leto. Dot com. All right. Uh, here on this Friday afternoon, um, let me let me just walk us off today with um, with a blessing, because it's possible that no one has told you um, yet today that you're precious and that God loves you. Maybe you haven't heard it all week. You are precious and God loves you. He he knows everything that's going on in your life. Yes, physically, but also emotionally and financially and socially and spiritually. Like God knows. God knows. He sees you. He knows you. And he loves you. Um, Maybe today you need to spend some time reveling in that reality, reveling in that truth. That God is great, yes, but God is good. And yes, God is omni-everything, but also closer to you than your next breath. He he sees you, he knows you, he loves you. He's got divine appointments set for you and good works planned in advance. Yes, all of that. But he wants you to draw near to him because he wants to draw near to you. And in that, you'll just your experience of his goodness and his grace will be transformative. Would you let him would you let him that near today? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.